<laughs> oh, we're having a totally different kind of coffee this morning. It's actually hot. It's morning. Holy shit. A morning podcast. A morning podcast. Warning. This podcast contains topics and discussion that is not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the ENM Talk Podcast with Michael and Ellie, where we discuss everything ethical non-monogamy and have intimate conversations with real people from the ENM lifestyle. On this podcast, we'll talk about current events and topics that people who practice ethical non-monogamy can relate to. Our show is not about lifestyle gossip. In fact, the names have been changed to protect the not-so-innocent. Would you like to be a guest on our show? We want to hear your story. Okay. Episode 10. 10. I'm certain of it this time. Perfect. <laughs> uh, if episode 10 has a theme, what will we call it? It would be uh, the sticky bits. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> We're, we've, got a, we've got a big podcast coming up here in the next week or two where we're talking about life. As it is currently. Right. And so we've felt like we needed to like jump in and fill in the gap between Michael and Ellie stumble into the lifestyle <laughs> and Michael and Ellie live with Michael's girlfriend. <laughs> There's a lot of growth in that area in between in the yes. uh, nine years, eight years in between, eight and a half years, something like that. Right. So we're going to try and condense all that down into one podcast. Hmm. Um, eight years, 45 minutes, we can do it. Right. <laughs> and it's going to go something like this. Uh, you live, you learn, you grow, you make mistakes, you fall, you get a bloody nose, you wipe off the blood, you get back up and you do it again. Yes. That's... Thanks pretty for coming. Much, Thanks. Pretty much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it definitely seems that way at times. Um, anyway, should we uh, for sure. launch into this thing? All right, let's do it. <laughs> do we talk about the first experience? I mean... Uh, I, I mean, was it exciting? Could it make a whole show? Probably. It has a lot of learning curves to it, but at the same time, if we're going to get years in, probably not. Right. Long story short is, um, in, as far as that first situation is concerned, right. is that Michael figured out his shit doesn't work sometimes. That's true. Right. He, he learned the valuable lesson of situational we, ED. Right. <laughs> right. And... Uh, Having you know lived forty some years of my life and never having had to deal with that, that was uh, a, a pretty big deal. It was a pretty traumatic experience. And um, anyway, we we kind of had to bounce back from that. Yes, for sure. So then we had to figure out how to deal with that, right? And you know, life is a series. This if if, if there's anything that I've learned in the last 
eight and a half, nine years is that life is a series of lessons. Yes. Like uh, life throws you a curveball, like your shit not working. Right. And then you figure out how to cope with that. Right. Uh, for me, it was discovering the little blue pill. Right. Really helps with that. Right. It's a, it's as much a confidence booster as it is a actual working solution to the right, problem. Right. And, and actually, you know, sitting here thinking about that, there is a whole podcast in that. Yeah. I, I think, I think I wanted to want to spend a whole lot of time on this because I think we could actually do an entire podcast on situational or what I call lifestyle ED, um, erectile dysfunction in case those of you are not getting our lingo here. Um, so, uh, I think we'll we'll move on from there. Perfect. Because <laughs> because really there's some really good um, there's some really good lessons that we would be taking time away from that I think are important that are relevant to what we're going to be talking about over the course of the next couple of weeks. Right. Um, and for me, it was when Ellie and I first started, we were both playing at the club. Right. We if we were going to connect with anybody, we were connecting casually. And that was where we learned that it was a lot easier for ladies than it was for the guys. Yeah. Like a hundred million times. Right. And so there were not a lot of opportunities for me, but there were a lot of opportunities for you. Yes. And at that point in time, if we were doing anything, we were doing it together. Yes. Which meant that a lot of times you and I were going off into a room with another dude. Right. Um, and had a lot of really, really great times. I mean, it sure. was, for me, for me, that was a, a really great situation because I enjoyed that. Right. I enjoyed watching you with someone else. Yes. Um, and then, and then I started getting some right. female attention right. and you learned that you don't enjoy that so much. Not as much. Um, I'm better now, but we're nine years later. Right. Um, I mean, things are a lot different now, but back then, it, it, you're a very squishy lover, and it was hard to watch you be squishy with other people. Right. <laughs> I'm not the guy that just takes you into a room and pounds on no. you until I come, and then and then you know. That's not your style. Not my style. I'm very I'm very attached. Yes, and, um, and very sensual and very um, focused. Um, right. And I found that hard to watch. Right. And it took time for you to get to a place where you were more comfortable with that. I don't even know for if sure. you're even still completely comfortable with that now. But uh, I'm, I don't. I we've don't played know. together yeah. many times, but but in the beginning for us, it was a we had to create, and we see a lot of couples that are doing this that are starting out. We had to create kind of a working system for ourselves, right? Where. Uh, if if we went to the club and all we found to do was, you know, another dude, then we went off together. Right. Uh, and then if we went to the club and, you know, one of my female friends said, hey, let's go. Right. You were like, have right. fun and storming I, I the castle. You, I, right. I send you on your way and go have a good time. <laughs> right. And then hopefully you would, you know, have, right. find pick, something. Sometimes. Pick one of the seven or eight guys that were kind of hovering around hoping you would choose them. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> which sometimes worked out and sometimes it didn't, but <laughs> there were a lot of, you know, one of the things and, you know, one of the things that I hear or that we talk about in, in, in the lifestyle is, is, um, and that we personally wholeheartedly endorse is don't set rules, set agreements. 
Right. So we had an agreement in that in that little stretch of time. We had an agreement where um, we we didn't go off. <laughs> We didn't go off to play unless the other partner had something going on. Right. But really it was kind or of it, super direct But really lines. was, you know, looking back at that, it was really kind of om- the way that things just kind of naturally worked. It was right. almost um, an unintentional double standard because really what it was was you couldn't go take off to play unless I had something. Right. But because I, it I was, suppose it was a double standard, but at the time it, it worked for what we needed. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, it didn't last for that long. No. Um, I mean, I don't know. Well, maybe a little while. It was probably a good year before we let that go. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I, I suppose in the larger scope of things isn't a really long time. But, I mean, it, it was a while where... It was really, it was me because I was recognizing that you were missing opportunities because I didn't have opportunities by setting things up and doing it that way. Like... You had, um, there were, I can't think of any one specific time, but I can think of <laughs> well, yeah. you know, n- numerous situations where you would have somebody who you wanted to go play with. And we were like looking around saying, who's here tonight? You know, Right. And, and, and nothing know, would really pan out. Nothing would pan out for me. And you would end up losing out on that opportunity. And that really sucked because it, it, it sucked for you, but it really sucked for me knowing that I was holding you back. Right. I remember the one turning point. It was uh, it was Fleet Week, and you know, of course, at Fleet Week, all the ladies <laughs> in the club. It, it's like it's like how many of the sailors' hats can you go home with? Right. And really, but really, what it was was can you can you you know catch yourself a sailor? And, right. Um, and so we were at the club one night, and you had this young man who had had been like he was totally down yep, and you're he like he was 100% down you're like well you got to come meet my husband and he's like and as as you're approaching you're saying you, you're gonna meet my husband and he's like well wait what you're married <laughs> he's like well dude don't you know where we are <laughs> that's right I'm like you do know where you are right and and he's he's like oh, I, I, I uh but part of it was that he you were gonna come with us it was we were all going to go off to play together right and but but he was but he was going on about you being married, right? And he, that was his a big deal for him. And and I looked at him and I told him, I'm like, dude, you do realize that ninety percent of the women in this club are married, right? And all of them that want to have sex with you are married, right? And it's like that's just part of what this this scene is about. And uh, anyway, he ended up vanishing he did (laughs) and I felt really bad because he a you missed out on your sailor uh he was a very pretty young black man which you at that time kind of favored (laughs) and uh and it was just it was just an opportunity it was it was a it it was an opportunity for you to stick that feather in your cap (laughs) it's funny to think about that now because that's so not who we are but at the time, that's who we were, and yeah. it was, and it was part of the, it was part of the fun, evolve. I think that really is the word. Anyway, I had made you a promise yes. that day, that night. I said, by next year, Fleet Week, you will be able to take that sailor out. You don't even have to introduce me. Like right. I may not even come that night. Like <laughs> I just may not even be here. Um, but you will be able to do that, and and it was a process of evolving. And really for me, we haven't talked about why we were in that. And and for me, it was just, I felt like 
in the club environment, my chances of finding someone to go off and go play with were were really, really minimal. Yes. But when you went off to go play in a room and left me out there by myself, I felt, one, I felt like my chances were even less. And two, it made me feel inadequate. It made me feel um, irrelevant, unimportant. You know, right. it was, it was just Michael having a little pity party <laughs> and, uh, and it just sucked. It, it, it sucked. And it took a while for me to get to a place where I didn't feel those feelings. And, and a part of that was about more about, um, realizing that going to the club was a social thing. It was not a sexual thing. Like right. it could be, it was a social thing that could evolve into a sexual thing. Right. And at that particular time, I was going there for the wrong reason. I was going there for the sexual thing and doing the social thing because like I had to do that to get to the sexual thing. Right. Right. Um, and so. And when that sort of shifted, then a lot of other things shifted also. And now we can go on to that part. So, <laughs> so that led us to a place I learned that in order for me to connect with or to, for me to have that connection time, for me to be able to distract myself with the air quotes, <laughs> <laughs> so you could go play, that it worked better for me if I and I and I was already kind of like like I would find somebody that I would connect with. I right. was kind of already starting to establish. Um, your little circle, my little of, circle of, of people, people that, that I you played would see. with, yeah, yeah, uh, for lack of because at that particular point in time, we didn't even know what Polly was, no. So, um, and I don't even know. I would go so far as to say they were necessarily all Polly relationships. I'm getting to that, but they were they were your circle. They were my circle. There were people that I knew that hey, I've had sex with them before. It was good. I know that they would be interested in having sex again. They're here tonight. They don't appear to have a date. I'm going to go hit them up and see if I can't, you know, get right. my, get myself busy. And, um, and so then that way, then you can, you know, feel free to mingle and all that kind of stuff. God, when I say that now, it just sounds awful, <laughs> but that's, that was the way we operated. Absolutely. And, and, and I mean, we're talking about it in a far more clinical sense than the actual reality of what it was. It wasn't like, Oh, that person's going to distract me. It was like, Oh, look, some of my circle is here. Right. It wasn't about, I'm using, yes, I'm using the really the wrong language because it wasn't about finding somebody that was going to distract me. Um, it was about, I want to have sex with this person because having sex with that person was, was a, lot of fun. a lot of fun and it was great. And you're like, okay, there's people in my circle whom I've already connected with. So you weren't starting at the ground floor. Right. You were like, Hey, maybe they'd be interested in connecting again. And if it, if it worked out that way, nah, then it was, it was it was, awesome. it was, it wasn't even maybe it was, I knew that. I knew well, that if they, they weren't were, already yeah. busy, I guess that's what I meant. Anyway, what I'm getting at was I started, I started having connecting with the same people all the time. Right. Frequently. And, and it narrowed actually, it, but just by weird happenstance, it defaulted down to, there was like one or two people that I, was connecting with on a regular Regularly. basis. Yeah. And so then what I started doing then was rather than saying, oh, hey, they're at the club tonight, it was, hey, you want to meet me at the club tonight? You want to you want to make a date of this? Right. You know, and that way... A bit more intentional. A bit more intentional, but also it put me in a place where I knew, okay, I I have plans for the night, so now you 
can go out and just do your thing. Right. I, I, I was, I, I did not feel like I needed to worry about you because you were already taken care of. Right. And again, that sounds very like clinically ish. Not necessarily. I mean, we, that was, that's part of what being in a partnership is about is taking care of each other and taking, making sure that, you know, checking in with each other and making sure that everyone is, is doing well. Right. You and, know? and I knew that you were in a good spot and things were great and I could do whatever and you would not be sitting in the corner having your pity party or right. just feeling left out or alone because it had reached that point in the night where everyone was off and there was no one left to talk to, to even talk to or whatever. Oh my God. How many times did you do? And, 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 and then we started to transition even out of that, we started to transition to where you, I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Like I've got a lot of people around me and I've got people that I know and friends and I've got social time and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, you'd go off to, you know, with, with your friend. Right. And, and then like within 15 minutes, everyone was gone. Gone. Doing and the same thing. There, and you're and like, I'm just sitting there like, man, I really suck. <laughs> Twiddling your thumbs, waiting for me to get done. Yeah. So, so <laughs> anyway. it also makes me not feel good, which made me not want to do those things as much because right. it's not an amazing feeling coming out of a room, seeing your partner sitting there twiddling their thumbs, waiting on you. Right. And you're like. Was I in there too long? Did I, you know, and all these things that you know that you, the other person didn't want to be thinking, but probably was because right. they were not the ones in there having a good time. Right. And yeah. So we, we struggled with that a little while. I mean, it was, it was, it took us some time. To evolve from that. Yeah. And, and to find the balance in there. So then we evolved into that place where I'm starting to date. Yes. And I'm starting, it makes you lazy. Like going to the club, it makes you lazy because um, you already have a date. So you're not really looking, you're not, you're not prowling. Right. That's what I call it is prowling. Prowling. (laughs) You're you're not prowling for, for fun. You're just there, just, you know, enjoying. It was, it was both limiting and liberating. Right. Because on one hand, you're there with a date. You're not mingling and meeting other people in that kind of a context. Right. But it's also liberating because now you can just go to the club, you can enjoy the first couple of hours of drinking and dancing and socializing knowing I have a date. Right. So I don't have, the pressure is off. I don't have to do anything to to try and make sure that um, that everybody has a good time, that I'm doing my part to make sure that everybody has a good right. time. And you're not necessarily there trying to impress anyone. Oh, I'm always trying to impress them. You know. <laughs> I meant like... Like you didn't have to work hard at the flirting part of it in the beginning of the evening mm-hmm. because you already had the date. That part was that part was already settled. For me, it was always about the internal pressure of making sure that I was not being the buzzkill. Yes. Yeah. And anyway, so but but if I had a date, then then I didn't have to worry about that. Right. And uh, and that was a good place for me to be. And the other thing was was I found. That as I'm making dates and I'm seeing people regularly and starting to see the same people over and over and over again, that I, um, that I found that I preferred that anyway. Yeah. That I, I prefer the familiarity. I preferred, I love the adventure. It's really weird because I love the adventure of exploring somebody new. Right. But I also really love the familiarity of being with somebody that you already know. Right. 
But what I found about myself was that I was starting to get emotionally attached to these people. Right. Because I am a sensual lover. Yes. And because... (laughs) And because it is just how I operate, I'm kind of I kind of attach to people anyways, even yes. just in friendships and that sort right. of thing. So adding that intimacy just only exaggerated that, or and exemplified or magnified it. Magnified it, and so so that kind of led us to that place where I started realizing that I was maybe leaning a little more toward the poly end of the spectrum, right. Still totally down for the casual hookup if it happened, (laughs) but I was also totally comfortable with the idea of having a girlfriend and having somebody that I was emotionally attached with and even outside of the club environment and outside of, you know, the the sexy atmosphere that it was. These relationships, these friendships started to evolve into more romantic relationships. Right. And that is where our real struggles started. Well, that's where my real struggles started. <laughs> so we will talk about that right after this. Hey! Hmm? Whose boobs are those? What are you doing over here? Uh, I'm just over here getting my profile filled out on SAF Social. Ooh, and what is SAF Social? SAF Social is a new social network for lifestyle people. It's super cool. It works a lot like Facebook as far as posts and feeds and pages and stuff. And people can share sexy photos on a site that is hidden from prying eyes. Mm, like that. And that looks sexy and fun. Can anyone join? I mean, can I make my own profile? Yeah. And the best part is it's totally free. Just go to safsocial.com and register. I can't wait to see your new sexy profile. Oh, and be sure to follow the ENM magazine page while you're there. Uh, I'm going to go register right now. Okay, and we're back. <laughs> so we're talking about some of the challenges that uh, popped up in in our beginning from our you know the the first eight and a half years of our <laughs> lifestyle experience that got us from stumbling into the lifestyle to moving in with my girlfriend. Yes, and all of the troubles along the way. When we <laughs> went to break, we were starting to talk about me discovering more. my more poly leanings. And let me tell you that living in a living as a couple where one of the people involved is poly and the other person involved is just a swinger and doesn't do poly is just as complicated as you can imagine it. (laughs) Yeah, it's very, very challenging. And um, it took years to get through some of the the hurdles and challenges. And it didn't help that my poly has evolved by steps. Yes. Like I, I'd get to the first step and then, and then you'd struggle with that. You don't need to be emotional about this because this is a, this is a good thing and it's a good topic. There are no bad experiences in life. There are just good lessons. And I realize 
that in this in this area that I'm talking about where I would go to the first step and you would have to catch up and then you would get to the place where you kind of had a baseline again. Yes. And then I would go up to the next step and then we would repeat that step over and over and over and over and over. Yes. With each step going up. You were always like in the beginning, you were always like, I don't understand why they can't just fuck you. Why do they have to fall in love with you? Do you remember this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do. And and it was and it all stemmed back to for us, it all stemmed back to that place where it was so easy for you and it was such a challenge for me. Right. And so we did what we needed to do to adapt. Right. And make non-monogamy work. And make non-monogamy work in our situation. And it just it 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 just it created this weird imbalance that our our adjustments for that imbalance created a lot of complications that we had to get through. It did. And uh, we're still here 16 years later. <laughs> or well, I obviously 8 years in the lifestyle, right. but <laughs> um but basically I mean, but that is an important thing. We've spent half of our our relationship being open. Yes. So it, it was really, really, really difficult in the beginning. It was really, really difficult in the middle. Um, I would say, even though there are moments even now, it is less difficult now than it was in the beginning. Yes. Partly because we have, along the way, learned some tools about how to adapt to those situations. We have learned tools about how to communicate. We've learned tools about how to respect each other's needs and wants and feelings. Right. And we've also learned that we have a responsibility to our partner. Right. And sometimes that means, for me, wrapping my head around and understanding how you're feeling and how you're coping with things, even when I'm super frustrated because <laughs> I'm just doing me. You right, know? I know. Um, and for you, it was learning that you have a responsibility to kind of get over your shit right. and, and to, um, to figure out how you can adapt and how you can... Um, how I cope and deal with whatever it is, whatever the situation is at the moment. Right, so that you can be a more supportive and empowering partner. Right. Which we have always felt was the important part, the, the most, one of the most important qualities of being a primary partner is to be supportive and right. to, be, to be the ultimate wingman and to be the teammate and to celebrate the wins even when they weren't your win. Right. You know? <laughs> um, and so... So that was that was a that was a process that we've had to get through, right? And uh, it's tough. Yes. At, at times, it was really tough. Yes. And right. a lot of I'm sad to say that a lot of people got hurt along the way while we figured our shit out. Agreed. And but I also feel like it's a process that uh, that you have that, that you just you just have to get through. You just have to go right. through that. It's you can you can talk about. I mean. You know, we, we listen to a podcast today where everybody's like, read books. Yes, I'm totally an advocate <laughs> of reading books, but I also know that even you can read all the books in the world 
And you're not going to be able to figure that shit out until you have an opportunity to cut your teeth on it. Right. And sometimes you'll read the book and you'll go, oh, I'm sure I'll be fine with that. And then you're faced with the reality of whatever that is. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. No, I can't. <laughs> right. It's hard. It's hard. One of the things that I always say is that um, if, if this shit was easy, everybody Everyone would, be would doing. do it. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not easy. It's 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 hard. But I feel like the rewards are worth it. And when I'm talking about rewards, I'm not talking about pussy. No. (laughs) When I'm talking about the rewards to me are how it um, improves you as a person. Right. How it improves your relationships with your partners. Right. How, uh, I mean, it's easy to be in monogamy where you just control your partner and they're limited by the rules and the boundaries. Of monogamy. Of walls of rules and boundaries that you've built around them with monogamy. Right. Super easy. Right. Looking, sitting here now, where I'm in, where I'm at now, I can look back in my twenties where there's. I was offered the opportunity at an open relationship, and I was like, "Fuck no!" Right. It's easy to be in that kind of a relationship. Doing non-monogamy and being the way we are takes work. Yes, it is always. It is a continual process of self-growth. Right. But the important thing is, and this is what I was telling you, don't get emotional about this, because every new challenge is an opportunity to grow. Yes. And I think that is what has gotten us through the last eight years is because we have taken that approach. And and there have been times where it's been really fucking hard, like some of the disagreeing, the all, t- arguing all night and, <laughs> and, and, and tears. And, oh, yeah sometimes yelling and screaming and and all of this stuff it's like it's hard but at the same time every challenge has brought us to a higher place right and a, a higher place of being a higher place of loving a higher place of connections in our relationship like every challenge has brought a lesson has brought a period of growth which has then opened up uh, other opportunities and I mean, opportunities sounds like yeah i'm gonna score with her oh. <laughs> but what i'm what i'm no, saying is what I mean. but what i'm saying is 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 it's 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 created a relationship it's led to a place where i have relationships with my partners that are so much more full and so much more meaningful than just filling in my time while you go off in a room with another boy yes you know what i mean absolutely and and that is that is what has gotten us to the place where we are today. Sure. And, and there are people, there are people that have listened to our podcast before. I've gotten some of the letters that we've, that where people have written in and, right. and there are people, and even today there are people that are probably disagree with the way that we do things and the way that we've done things. But when we look at where we are now versus where we were eight years ago, right. e- even though the road was really, really difficult, we're in a much better place now than we were then yes absolutely i mean and i mean everyone's gonna not not everyone is going to agree with how we do things the same as we do not necessarily always agree with how other people choose to get to their end road Mm -hmm. but um we have done what works for us right i really think that one of the things that one of our mantras, I'm not sure if that's really the right word, (laughs) 
one of our principles of how of our approach to non-monogamy, to relationships in general. Um, and it comes back to something that one of your friends said. You're either all in or you're all out. There is yeah. no halfway. Right. And so it's, you have to make a commitment. <clears throat> you have to make a commitment to your relationships, but you also have to make a commitment to non-monogamy. You have to say, God damn it, I'm going to make this fucking work. I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to do it. And I think that's what we have done is right. we, I remember a day we sat down. It was in, you know, in either in or in the aftermath of one of our struggles. And we said, you know, maybe we should just quit. Maybe we should just not, we, we should just go back to being monogamous. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, uh, I think that that discussion last, or like the monogamy part of it lasted about 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> because we realized we had, at that mo in that moment, we realized we had opened Pandora's box. Right. Like, we, you were dealing with insecurity and jealousy right. and, and all of that. And I was dealing with your insecurity and your jealousy. Right. And, um, and that's never pleasant. No. Um, but we realized in that moment that if we went back to being monogamous, we tried to imagine what that would be like. We already knew that we were attracted to other people. Right. We already knew that we could and we wanted to have sex with other people. Right. And so, and one of the things that we loved about when we opened up was that we had that honesty and we had that openness about those desires. Right. And that we realized that by going back to monogamy, by, by, by closing up and going back to being monogamous, that we were trading that, uh, the feelings of trust. We were trading the feelings of, we knew, knowing that your partner wanted to have that and wondering, always wondering, are they actually like talking to somebody else? Right. You know? Are they actually doing those things? We were going to trade honesty for what could feel like deception. Even right. if the other person was doing nothing, there would always be that. And was it better to deal with the insecurities and the jealousy versus trying to wrap around that, those feelings of, of uh, feeling like our partner was maybe not being honest with us. Right. And so in the end, it just, it, it was obvious. It was, we needed to keep continue going on the way we were and dealing with the insecurities and the right. jealousy. It was, the evil you know is better than the evil you don't know. <laughs> right? Yes, absolutely. So it's better to have everything just right out there in the open right. and try and find your way through that. Absolutely. I would definitely not ever want to go backwards. And so I really feel like those, those, um, those principles that we had along with the dedication and the commitment to the relationship, the dedication and the commitment to ethical non-monogamy, the realization that I do things the way I do them for a reason, right. and you do them the way you do them for a reason, and respecting the differences between uh, ca connecting casually and swinging and connecting with intention in poly were not necessarily, didn't necessarily have to be a threat to our relationship. Right. And that was the part that I think that it really, you had to, you I alone did. on your own had to wrap your head around. Right. Was that I'm having all of these relationships and this, these 
connected relationships and this polyamory was not an inadequacy with you. It was actually a bonus. So it was a bonus to our relationship. It was, it was a, I get to have this and that. Right. Right. And. But almost all of my struggles always come from feeling, feeling inadequate. Feeling like you were being replaced. Yes. Yeah. Like that was something that popped up a lot was that you felt like you were being replaced. Right. They could do this or that or the other thing. I was comparing myself Mm -hmm. to other people, which is never a good plan. (laughs) Stop crying. I know. (laughs) It's just, it is emotional for me because I look back and I think of all how awful I was sometimes. You're just being you. You're just, you're just, you're feeling your feelings and you're allowed to feel your feelings. You know what I'm saying? You were, you were, even as, one of the things that we always say is, it's okay to feel insecure and it's okay to feel jealous because that means, it's a good thing because that means that you have value in that person and you have value in that relationship. That's not the problem. Right. It's how you act as a result of those, those feelings, feelings that is the problem. And, and it creates this snowball of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, and it's hard, you know, if you had, go, if you imagine going back in a time machine and talking to yourself eight years ago and saying in eight years, you are going to be living with Michael's girlfriend. <laughs> I would have laughed at myself and said, no. I'll be long gone before that happens. (laughs) No way in hell. (laughs) (laughs) And and so, and and I wouldn't even say that that was my goal. Like, I wouldn't, I don't even think, I mean, as I started to discover Polly and started to discover how wonderful that all these, you know, yummy relationships are and that sort of thing. I had the same dream that every poly person has. It's like, oh, yeah, I want to have a commune with all these houses, like a big piece of property with all these houses and all of our partners all live in these houses and we get together and have picnics and barbecues and all that kind of stuff. I mean... A circle of tiny houses around a clubhouse. <laughs> right, yeah. We, 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 we had the vision. I had the yeah. vision. We had the dream. Even you were like, like kind of like... I don't know if you were necessarily like, yeah, we should totally do that. But like, I think you were like, yeah, that sounds like a really great idea because it's never going to happen. You know? <laughs> I don't know if I go quite that far away from it, but I, I, I was definitely more of a, yeah, sure. Uh huh. No one else is going to agree to this, right? <laughs> it happens. There are people that do it. There are people that do it, and it does happen. And I don't necessarily feel the same way as I did once long ago when you first started talking about this. The important lesson here is that we evolve. We do evolve. And sometimes we evolve kicking and screaming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and sometimes we evolve because we need to evolve, because we want to evolve, because in order to get to that place from where we are today, we have to go through this process of experiences and learning. And and I think that's what we've done. I think, and do I think we're there? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to continue learning until we die. That's just, I think that's life. I really think I really think that is the meaning of life is you live, 
you have experiences, you learn from those experiences, and then you're a better person for it on the other side of it. Right. Rinse, wash, and repeat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it just is what it is. It's like cheap shampoo. Yeah, cheap shampoo. <laughs> so I think that, and I think that a lot of people may not fully grasp that or understand that. I, but I think that it's important. I think that it's important that anybody that's in an ethical non-monogamous relationship, you have to evolve through it. Yes. You have to evolve through, as, as a person, you have to evolve. And as a relationship, you have to evolve through any challenges that come your way. Right. Some of those challenges involve compromise. Some of those challenges are not compromise. Some of those challenges are, you're kind of being a shitty person, you need to stop it. Yes. Um, and figure out how to do that. That is true. Not that, I mean... No, it, it, it goes both ways. It goes both ways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you were a shitty person all the way through all of it. Sometimes you were, but... Yes, for sure. Sometimes I was too. I look back at some of those times and some of the things that I've done in those situations, uh, not always necessarily giving you time to catch up. Most of the time I did, but sometimes I was like, nope. It was, I'm doing my thing and yep. you're just going to have to figure it out. That's true. And sometimes not always kind about it. And then there's been times where I've done shit and I'm like, I look back at it now and it's just like cringe. <laughs> like, oh God, I don't, I, can I just erase that from my history? Because that is <laughs> fucking awful. Nope. If I can't erase it, neither can you. So ex- life experiences. That's right. Remember, and, no bad experiences, just good lessons. Right. <laughs> right. Some of them haunt you for life. Sometimes. <laughs> so, but anyway, it's, you know, that that's the thing about our, if I had to sum up our last eight years, the evolving between uh, a swinger and a polyamorous person cohabitating and being in a primary type relationship and all of the challenges that come along with it, um, that's pretty much everything you can imagine is what we went through in the last eight years Pretty much to a point where now in your maturity uh which is a nice way of saying we're getting old (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but you are you are kind of slowing down and starting to put more value into the relationships and and into your connections to where you really pretty much in the last three years or so, your relationships would be more better defined as being polyamorous relationships. Or at <clears> least <throat> more leaning in that direction for sure. Right. I, I have far more limited partners, not because I'm being limited, but because I'm finding less joy in going to the club and just having a random hookup as uh, opposed to seeing the same person, even if it is at the club and knowing that I'm already going to have topic of conversation and I'm already know that we're going to have amazing sex and that we're just going to have a good time. Right. You know, it's not like, well, hopefully I go have a good time tonight. <laughs> I think that you're, I think that you're finding, and correct me if I'm wrong, I could be way off because I'm not in your head, but I think that you're finding like I did that there's more value in having and seeing the same person frequently where you're having more than just 
the friction and the fun, right? Where there's uh, actual some there's there's a relationship, right? Forming. There's actual relationships going on. And when I say relationship, even in my own situations, relationship means any kind of establishment that you have right. with another person, right? Even like you have a relationship with your mailman, right? I mean, it's like even one-offs is a relationship of sorts, right? But I am finding more value in relationships that have more depth, right? And uh, they could be, you know, really, really great friendships. I don't want to say right. friends with benefits because even that's a little shallow. But they're just really, really great connected friendships that with people that you have genuine love for. Right. That you see regularly. That exactly. You, and, and that's been going on for a while now. Yes. Um, and you're starting to discover some of those poly leanings. <laughs> and, uh, yes. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's no. it's it's good for you. It's good to, you know, the party is fun, but if you're living a more intentional, ethical, non-monogamous life, this seems like a natural progression, right? And and that's kind of what I'm seeing. That's what I'm observing with you. Yeah, that would be pretty accurate. So, I'm definitely evolving. <laughs> What's really funny? Let me check time. Yeah, I can't go down that path. We're out of time. <laughs> so we will we will come back to uh, Ellie's discovery of her more bisexual leanings <laughs> another time. Because uh, we'll keep them hanging. <laughs> we'll keep them hanging. I'll be like, when are you gonna do that episode? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we are definitely out of time. So we're gonna sign off for now. All right. More love from the love. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the ENM Talk podcast show with Michael and Ellie. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to rate and comment on our show in whatever platform you're using. You can leave us a voice message by visiting our podcast at anchor.fm forward slash ENM Talk podcast or by calling us at 360 524 3523. Until next time, we hope your adventures always have happy endings. <laughs>